This is Marriage to the Max, episode number six. Hi, welcome to another episode of Marriage to the Max. This is Brett Hurst. And this is Kelly Hurst. We are both marriage educators and co-founders of Home Encouragement, and you're listening to a podcast that's designed to help you take your marriage to the next level. We have a simple desire to encourage you in your marriage relationship. We believe healthy marriage should be a front-burner conversation and that's why we're here. And we're glad that you're here. We're glad indeed, that you're hanging in there with us, <laughs> uh, particularly listening to a bumbling, stuttering, East Texan <laughs> stuttering. <laughs> I can't help it. We're both Texans, but you're the East Texan. Well, you have the beautiful voice. There's a reason that's why. That's very sweet. <laughs> there's a reason why you're a singer and I'm just a guy who... Sings. Plays lots of instruments. Yeah, well, sings no. in the shower. And you, you sing lots of harmony parts, too, very well. Well, thank you very much. <laughs> in this episode, we, uh, we're going to be talking about Communication 101. Uh, one of the common questions that married couples uh, ask us is, how can we communicate better, more effectively? Don't know why this tends to be such a universal issue, but it absolutely is. Couples can become... Very frustrated when they don't communicate well. Communication is a very broad topic. You can get off into conflict management. You can talk about finances and sex. Uh, unfortunately, a lot of couples don't talk about finances and sex, and that's why those two issues continue to be the uh, top issues involved in divorce. We're not going to tackle all those minute details in this particular episode, but we will keep coming back to this topic of, of uh, communication and effective communication over and over in this podcast series. Right. Today's Communication 101, but we'll come back with 201 and 301 because there's lots of things to unpack about good communication. Indeed there is. But today we're going to take on some just very fundamental aspects of healthy communication by just going back to the basics. None of the things that we'll talk about today are rocket science. I mean, yeah. actually, very few things that we ever talk about are rocket science. But most We're marriage most marriage education <laughs> isn't. I mean, a lot of it's just kind of doing things that we learned in the golden rule when we were kids, you know, that most of us just get lazy and don't want to practice. But sometimes we need a little refresher course on how to communicate really well. Mm -hmm. And... One statistic that I think is really scary and sad is that the average married couple spends no more than three minutes a day in undivided conversation. Staggering. Every time, I mean, we teach that forever, and I still am blown away by that. If you think about it, if you get eight hours of sleep, then assuming you get eight hours of sleep, well, I then never you've do. got 960 waking minutes every day, and most couples share three of those in real quality face-to-face -face conversation. I spend more time microwaving. Blows me away. So think of how far ahead of the curve you'll be if you just shoot for 10 minutes a day. Now wait, that's more than three times it the is. national average. There you go. Yeah. 
Well, one of the best ways that we know of to go back to the basics regarding communication is to think about uh, what we call your communication package. And every individual has one. Every couple has a communication package. Mm -hmm. Communication happens even when you're not speaking. When I was a communications major at the University of Texas, Mm -hmm. and I took that basic one-on-one course that was something they drilled in our heads the first day, the communication has not happened until a thought has been produced and then received. Mm -hmm. With your communication package, it consists of at least three components. 7% of your communication is your actual spoken words. Only 7%. 38% of your communication is the tone of voice that you use when you're speaking to one another. 55% of your communication is the nonverbal stuff. That's body language, your facial expressions, hand gestures, all that kind of stuff. There's a great reminder that we all heard when we were kids growing up. It's, it's not so much what you say, but how you say how you it. say it. You know, we sit with couples who argue over the content of what they're saying to each other. They try to pull us into the content of what they're saying to each other. When from our perspective, so much it, more frequently, we're looking for how they're saying what they're saying. You know, it's, it's usually all the other components, the, uh, the nonverbal and the tone of voice. If you speak words that are not that toxic, mm-hmm. but you say them with a tone of voice and body language that communicates, you know, contemptful, Mm-hmm. Is that the right word? Contemptful, disrespect, contemptuous. Sorry, go back to English class. It communicates disrespect or an unloving attitude. Then uh, those those are the things that are going to trump the spoken word more times than not. Right, and like when we're teaching this concept, we 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 use the example of like when one of our when our kids were like thirteen years old. You know, our daughter Sarah, if she would sass me or something, I'd look at her and say, you know, Sarah, I think you owe me an apology. And she'd go, sorry. You know, with just that <laughs> look of disgust she said on her the word. face. She said the right word. I mean, that's that is a perfect example of, but it was not being communicated in the way that was appropriate. And so your tone of voice and your nonverbals are huge. And we really get kind of stuck there and we think we're communicating one way, but it's it might be perceived in a completely different way. So we're going to take a very profound formula. This will be really something you're going to have to chew on and dissect for years to come. And put your thinking caps on. That's right. This is our formula for good communication. (laughs) Here it is. Good speaking plus good listening equals good communication. Ta-da! I told you we're not brilliant. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. In fact... um, in the book Outliers, Malcolm Gladwell talks about this uh, this idea that he got from linguists who talk about we Westerners here in America tend to be more transmitter-oriented. And what that means is that we've kind of grown up learning mm. that the person speaking in a conversation, the responsibility falls to that person to make sure communication is clear. Because they're the one... Because they're the one talking. Doing the communication. So, yeah. yeah. But in Eastern cultures, you know, in Asian cultures, for example, they tend to be their uh, mm-hmm. culture is more receiver oriented, meaning mm. the person doing the listening in the conversation is the one who bears the responsibility of making sure everything is clear. Right. And so you can see where 
really, if you want great communication, you want to have both of those things. So if I'm speaking to you in a conversation, I do want to take responsibility, make sure I'm being clear. But if I'm listening to you talk, I want to do the same. You know, I want to make sure I'm understanding completely what you're saying as well. No, it makes a lot of sense. Okay, so in the area of good speaking, the first part, uh, one of the main keys is to be assertive. Mm -hmm. Now, we hear that term assertive. In fact, if you are talking about someone that you work with at your job and you (laughs) say they're very assertive, (laughs) typically that has a very strong negative connotation to it because so often we think of someone who is assertive as being bossy or pushy or we use other words to describe that. But being assertive is simply Saying what you mean and meaning what you say. Mm-hmm. What's the John Mayer song? Say what you say what you need to say. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so he's being assertive. And it's Brilliant. Your re- it's your responsibility as the speaker to articulate the information and your feelings clearly. You know, don't expect your spouse to always have to pull it out of you. Some people's temperaments are wired in a way to where this is very, very hard for them to do. Mm-hmm. Work on it because it's it's really not fair to project an attitude like you're sulking around the room in a sour mood, and then when your mate asks you if something's wrong, you say nothing. Mm-hmm. You know that's not fair. Know that your spouse also is not a mind reader. Uh, you may think that uh, he or she should know you well enough to know whatever you're trying to. Not say, mm-hmm. but don't fall into that trap. It's unfair to your spouse, and then it's going to set your spouse up to fail. So try to speak to your spouse in addition to all that, not just assertively, but also with a very respectful tone. Uh, use a tone that's even more respectful than the one you would say have for your boss. For your boss. Mm-hmm. And we can definitely control this because I remember growing up in my house, my, my mom would be kind of fussing at my sister and I, you know, get in there and clean that room up. You girls are driving me crazy. Da, da, da. And the phone would ring and she'd go, hello. You know, <laughs> and we, we all do that. We can all totally control how we speak to people in different circumstances. And so to say, well, I just can't help it. That's just how I talk. No, we, we have a lot more control of it than I think we give ourselves credit for. Uh, the next, I love your mom. <laughs> I know. She's great. Uh, the next point we have is, is to talk about from the good speaking point of view is to build a bridge rather than a wall. And you you can look at that if you're a speaking or listening in terms of you want to be the kind of person that just kind of keeps the conversation going. Mm-hmm. You know, don't be a wall where you shut a conversation down, uh-huh. but be the type of person who's kind of bringing out more by asking good questions and, you know, really kind of pulling things out of the person that you're talking with and making it a real dialogue rather than just I'm doing the talking and you're doing the listening. Right. You know, it's interesting. I've been an extrovert my whole life, and uh, it's been much more entertaining, I think, the the older I've gotten to spend more time focused on listening than talking. For one thing, I totally ran ran out of anything interesting or profound to say. (laughs) I'd much rather hear what other people have to say, but... um, but it's fascinating to do what you're talking about, to, be, to learn the art of pulling out of people the things that they have to contribute to a conversation that are really 
profound and rich and deep. And mm -hmm. so if you're married to someone who this does not come easy for, to, for them to even express their thoughts clearly or, or frequently or whatever, uh, then you have the ability uh, and the opportunity to, to help that process and mm -hmm. to pull that out and to, to be part of the solution to that. Right, definitely. It's fun. Another tip that we have is to learn the art of good timing when you are speaking to your spouse. Ephesians 4.29 reminds us. I'm still working on this one. To speak according to the need of the moment. And you can speak appropriate words at an inappropriate time and ruin the entire experience for the listener. Because... The whole point of communicating is you want your listener to mm. understand your heart. You want, want them to see where you're coming from, hear what you mean clearly. And if you say something mm. that's even something well-worded, but it's at the wrong time, right. I mean, it's, it's almost worse than saying nothing at all. So what you're saying is sometimes we're spending so much time concerned about the words that we're spitting mm -hmm. out when... The whole reason we're talking in the first place is to get a point across. Right. To be heard, to be understood. That's right. That's right. So if we go back to that whole percentage thing, 7% is your words, 38% is your tone of voice, 55% of com communication is nonverbal. Again, how you say it is going to be far more effective in completing the art of communication. And even when you say it. Is that what you're saying? I think that's what I'm saying. Be clear. I think I'm being very clear. Are you hearing me clearly? I think so. There you go. All right. You're listening to Marriage to the Max. If you're in the Houston area, Home Encouragement hosts a monthly date night called Dinner and a Marriage at Hosta La Pasta Restaurant in Katy. You can check out upcoming dates at homeencouragement.org, and all you need to do to make a reservation is email us at thehursts at homeencouragement.org. We would really love for you to join us. Welcome back to Marriage to the Max, and uh, we're continuing our conversation about Communication 101. Before the break, we were talking about one side of communication, which is good speaking. Now let's take a look at the other side, uh, being a good listener. Well, first of all, when we're learning the art of good listening is we have got to just be quiet, which I think is hard for people in this hurried, busy world where mm. we don't have a lot of margin. And a lot of times when we're finally talking to our spouse, we might have limited time. And so we're just kind of shooting out, you know, barking orders, laundry lists and that kind of thing. But to really take the time to listen I think is kind of a lost art in mm -hmm. our day and age. I don't know that many people who are really great listeners. Mm -hmm. um, and part of the reason is because we've all 
kind of a lot of people have developed the habit of when they're in conversation and someone else is speaking, we think that what listening is, is we're being quiet, waiting for the other person to pause so we can interject our point. But that's not what real listening is. Listening is when you completely lay your agenda down and you are not thinking about your next point, but you're really listening to the person talking, even to the point of being open to changing your mind or being mm. persuaded, right. which a lot of us don't have time to do, you know, and much less do we kind of practice that. So we don't allow ourselves to get absorbed into what the other person's saying. Right. And I think, I think some of it's kind of the time factor. Another, a lot of it, too, is that we just... I don't think a lot of us have models and examples in our lives of people who are really great listeners. Uh So a lot of us haven't learned the skill, but it's something you can practice and get a lot better at. Right. But one of the things you can do is just to kind of lay that, oh, I've got to get my point in. I've got to express my opinion too. Why, Why do you have to every time? Right. Sometimes it's great to just sit back and listen to your spouse talk about what they're thinking and feeling. You think we're kind of conditioned to do that as well with our media diet where everything's rapid fire and thoughts are Yeah, because when I watch, yeah, even when I watch like news programs that are supposed to have, quote, dialogues, Uh everyone's talking over each other. They're interrupting, you know, and I know some of that is time constraints of television and all of that, but some of it's just kind of habit. Right. Gets annoying. Yeah. So real give and take and even the art of pauses and spaces and so forth uh, Mm -hmm. in between points of conversation. Yeah, being okay with letting the conversation breathe a little bit. Well, I like that part, what you said about leaving your agenda behind, you know, because uh, and and even being open to uh, shifting your point of view. I think that's uh, very important, Mm -hmm. particularly in marriage. And I think uh, a good rule of thumb that that you have actually learned in our marriage is uh, to ask me the question, you know, do you want me to give you advice or do you want me to just listen? Because sometimes we've got a hat on that, okay, she's telling me a problem. She's, you know, upset about something at work, something with the kids, and she wants a solution. Mm. You know, and I think guys tend to be, I don't want to be too stereotypical, but guys tend to be more kind of problem solvers and that's their way of helping. You well, know? I thought that's what I was supposed to do yeah. early in our marriage. But we've discovered, actually, that women, a lot of women, the way they process, even when they already know what the solution is, mm-hmm. it helps them to just kind of talk through it. And so you ha- you'll you ask me sometimes, I'll start to kind of talk about something, that issue I'm having, and you'll go, wait, do you want me to give you advice, or you, is this just talking for me to listen? And I'm like, usually I'm like, just listen. Right. I didn't get there overnight. No, that, that's a process, I think. Yeah. And then also to listen for for the story behind the story. What is she really trying to say to me? Is she upset about the dishwasher going out? Is that what she's really upset about? Or is she upset that she had to make the decision about the dishwasher by herself? Uh, Maybe she's really upset about um, the fact that I haven't been home enough lately or I'm coming home late. Always try to look for the story behind the story. What is this really about. And again, it's just like being an interviewer for a feature magazine where you're looking for 
uh, the, the heart, the guts of the, the interesting story to give to your readers. Mm-hmm. And the best interviewers we always talk about are the ones who even they may have their well-researched questions in front of them, their agenda. Uh-huh. Right. But a really good interviewer will let the person being interviewed kind of take the story where it goes and follow them there. Right. And that's kind oh, of what we... over here? Yeah. All oh, right. We'll yeah. go over here. And that's how we kind of want we need to be as good listeners, I think, is just follow that path. You well, know. and what's interesting about it, back to marriage, if if you go where you're not expecting to go in conversation by being a good listener and so forth, you may get really surprised by where you'll go. Mm-hmm. I mean, you'll find yeah. out things that you didn't know, like that classic thing about Jackson Hole, Wyoming. Well, you just might need to unpack that because our listeners may not know what you're talking about. Well, we were at dinner a couple of weeks ago, I guess, and we were talking about who knows what, and then somehow in the conversation, you told me, as if I had heard it 25 <laughs> times, that we were going to spend a week in Jackson Hole, Wyoming. <laughs> I have never, ever heard you talk about Jackson Hole, Wyoming. I know it's a beautiful place. I wouldn't mind going to Jackson Hole, Wyoming. <laughs> but you made it sound like we had talked about that for 25 years of our marriage, and if you I did, feel... <laughs> that was all within your own brain. <laughs> I, I will admit that I think that's been rattling around in my head, and I thought I've mentioned it several times, but maybe I haven't. I can assure you, <laughs> you had never talked to me about Jackson yeah. Hole, Wyoming. But that is definitely code now with us for you don't know everything that's in your spouse's brain. Right. Jackson Hole, Wyoming. That's right. Well, the other thing we talk about, and we touched on this earlier, is just to practice the discipline of not interrupting. What? <laughs> your spouse. <laughs> one of you always make fun of this, but one of my favorite shows on TV is the show Parenthood, oh and my gosh. they one of the the characteristics of how they write the script is they have people talking over each other the entire time. I guess to try to make it feel authentic, but it's completely annoying, right? And because then you can't hear what anyone's saying because right. three people are talking at the same time. But I'm amazed at how many of us do this, and I don't think we really think about it because it's such a common thing in our culture to just mm-hmm. kind of talk over people and not let people finish a sentence. Again, I think it goes back to that time thing. What do you mean? We're just we're in a rush a lot of time. And mm. to have great conversation, it's just like a lot of things in marriage. It takes some time devoted. Mm-hmm. And good conversation takes a little time. And so and I, I know that a lot of times you're in a rush and you've got to just kind of knock out these quick little conversations, but we're not really talking about those kind of conversations. We're talking about the meaningful stuff where you're getting to sit at dinner and maybe linger a little while mm-hmm. and you know Well I think again that's why the eating at the table thing is so important because you have to take time to chew and you're facing each other. You don't have the T V blaring, hopefully. Mm-hmm. Although some people eat the table and they've got the TV right there. I'm not telling you what to do. I'm just saying that having that uh, cadence of space in your conversation is, as we've said, a, a lost art. And there's really a lot of richness available there if you uh, go back and explore that as a family, as a married couple. Mm-hmm. I like the lingering. Lingering? Yeah, lingering at the table. That's one of my favorite things. Yes. After the meal's over and you just kind of have time to sit there and... I like lingering, too. (laughs) After we sit on a hard chair at a restaurant... That's true. My back starts hurting. That's not good for you. Lingering is not good for old guys. (laughs) So, anyway, I'm not sure if communication is an art or if it's a science, but I do know this. When you do it poorly, everything else collapses on top of it. It's, It's foundational 
to so many of the other things that we'll be talking about. Mm -hmm. And communication is clearly a two-way street, so we've got to learn to do both sides of it well. So, uh, Well said. Well, thank you very much. <laughs> I was trying to communicate clearly. <laughs> and if you'd like to contact us, uh, you can find us at marriagetothemax.org. You can also check out homeencouragement.org, or you can email us at the Hursts. H-U-R-S-T-S at homeencouragement.org Also uh, follow us on Facebook and Twitter Thanks for listening I really appreciate that you're hanging in there with us (laughs) And until next time Remember, healthy marriage Healthy world God bless y'all